Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the 10th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Education for Heart Warriors, and we have a great show for you today. Today's show is entitled Homeschooling a Special Needs Heart Warrior, and our guest is Erin Askew. Erin Askew is heart mom to nine-year-old Kaylin. Kaylin was born with heterotaxy, including multiple heart defects, situs inversus, polysplenia, malrotated intestines, primary ciliary dyskinesia, a neuromuscular myopathy, as well as a number of other learning disabilities such as dyslexia and dysgraphia. Erin has homeschooled Kaylin since she was three years old. Erin and her husband chose to homeschool for many reasons, including medical issues. With a suppressed immune system and a motility disorder, Kaylin tends to get sick easily. Focusing is an issue for Kaylin. Due to ADHD and medications are out of the question for her. Homeschooling has been a blessing for the Askew family and has helped them meet many needs for their very complex child. Homeschooling, while not easy at times, allows for flexibility, especially with medical appointments and admits, creativity, closeness, and most of all, allowing Kaylin to learn and blossom in ways that are best for her. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Erin. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really happy to have you on the show today, and I know from our conversation prior to this interview that getting pregnant with Kaylin was not easy for you. So can you tell us about your journey toward motherhood? Sure. I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was pretty young and had a lot of health issues, and David also had some health issues, and we were told that having children was going to be near impossible, that the chances of us getting pregnant naturally would be, I don't know, around 3%. David and I were fine with the thought of adoption because we do have children in our family that are adopted. And it's something that we were really interested in. And we thought, well, give us a couple years to get established in our marriage and then we'll look at adopting. Well, that didn't exactly happen. We got married in June and I got pregnant at the end of September. And I was actually on birth control, so we were shocked to find out that I was five weeks pregnant, and they weren't really thinking positively about my being able to carry the baby, and I had had back surgery. They were concerned about that, but we were very fortunate. I did carry Kaylin to term. We did have some issues like kidney stones and my blood sugars and stuff because I am diabetic, but we knew nothing about Kaylin's 
issues while I was pregnant. It wasn't until she was born that we discovered all the problems. That must have been really scary for you. I mean, first of all, it took you a while to even come to grips with the fact that you were going to have a child after being so discouraged. So you didn't know that Kaylin was going to be born with a heart defect. How long did it take you to discover that she did have a heart defect and then these other conditions as well? Well, when she was born, she wasn't breathing correctly. We knew that her heart rate in utero was not quite what it should be, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough to make the doctors too concerned. I was a high-risk pregnancy anyway. I was diabetic. My blood pressure was fine, but they said it's not unusual for some babies in high-risk pregnancy to not have a heart rate quite as high as it should be. And they weren't concerned. They didn't see any other issues I had. I had fetal echoes done, I had ultrasounds done, I had 16 overall. So they weren't real concerned. They said they never saw anything. So when she was born and she wasn't breathing right and she was rather blue, they were a little concerned. They brought her over to see me. I vaguely remember it. And then next thing I remember is David telling me they're going to have to take her to NICU. They need to go check her out. She's not breathing right. So he went down there with her and then we were left for hours without knowing anything. We didn't know anything for probably, I don't know, six to eight hours. Wow, and that's they a finally long time. Came, it is, it is. And they finally came in and they told us that Kaylin had been born with heterotaxy, that she had multiple heart defects and they weren't sure what all they were. They could give us a few and over the following days more of them were named. She had malrotated intestines and it, it takes a while to kind of figure out heterotaxy. So the main thing they were concerned about was her living through the night. Oh, wow. They weren't sure she was actually going. Yeah, they actually weren't sure she was going to. And, in fact, the prognosis was pretty grim. But she just kept beating the odds. <laughs> and at five days old, she had the lab's procedure to correct the malrotated intestines. She had a severe blockage. So they did that. And it took about three weeks to kind of figure all the main issues out, all the heart defects in the back of two trilobed lungs, malrotated intestines. We weren't sure about the polysplenia. It took about three weeks to figure that out. And even then, it's taken years to figure out exactly how many spleens she has. Oh, um, the PCD, wow. yeah, yeah, because they're, they're little and they're wrapped around each other. So it looks like one spleen, but it's not. It's actually, they believe, 10 looks like just one misshapen spleen. And then she was diagnosed with PCD, the primary ciliary dyskinesia, when she was four years old. And then the neuromuscular was recent. The SCD, the ADHD was at four. It's always something being added. Unfortunately, heterotaxy affects every single organ system, and you don't always learn things right away. So... When did you decide that you were going to homeschool Kaylin instead of putting her in a Head Start or an early childhood program? Well, we moved from North Carolina to Mississippi when Kaylin was a year old. And Mississippi, while I love my home state, does not have the best programs in the world. And putting her in Head Start, just it really just wasn't an option trying to get the services and just weren't the best to begin with and then trying to take care of my mother and get somebody in here it just it just wasn't feasible so at three we looked at putting her in pre-k at the private school my niece attended a small Mm -hmm. private school out in the country it was a great school and we looked at it and we tried three days and that was the biggest disaster in the entire world (laughs) 
You know, Kaylin Kaylin couldn't sit still. She couldn't focus. She didn't want to. I was just like, oh, this is a disaster. I mean, because I didn't go and leave her. I went and stayed because it's 20 miles from my house, Uh... and it was three or four-hour programs. Well, we tried me being in there. We tried me being out of there. It just, it wasn't going to work. And at that point, I had met some friends who homeschooled their kids. And I was like, you know what, this this needs to be something we need to look at. And I came home and I talked to David and I talked to my parents and got a lot more information about what the state required or didn't require and thought, you know, I can do this. I'm a stay-at-home mom anyway. And we got to thinking about the level of issues we'd be dealing with as far as her immune system, uh-huh. her behavior, her heart, if she's inpatient. I mean, there's so many things that go into making these decisions. There were a lot of reasons for us, a lot. And it just turned out to be the right thing for us. And it's Mm -hmm. really been the right thing for Kaylin. I mean, I told David I can't imagine trying to put my child in school. It would be a disaster. And and homeschool (laughs) is, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there's just so many reasons why her immune system. You know, she's in and out of the hospital her ADHD, her dyslexia, all of this. Well, and you were telling me before we started recording that she even has migraines. You can't send a child to school and expect them to learn when they're having a migraine. No, no, you can't. She has clusters. And we've had 10 in the last six weeks. So, I mean, the kid doesn't sleep. She has a sleep disorder. Getting her up to go to school is near impossible. I mean, you can't get her up to go to camp. You know, what she'd love to do. So you have to realize this is just the best option for us, and it works very well for us. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit more about what you do in your homeschool environment, but we do need to take a quick commercial break. Don't leave yet, folks, because we will be talking with Erin about the kinds of programs that she's using with Kaylin in the early years of homeschooling when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. The most common themes that I hear is why. She always needed um, a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it helped me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Lieben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is called Homeschooling, a special needs heart warrior, and our guest is heart mom Erin Askew. 
We just finished talking with Erin about finding out she was pregnant and not discovering the heart defects until after Kaylin was born and her decision to homeschool. Now we're going to talk to her about the early years. So Erin, you started homeschooling at the age of three, and I'm curious if you used a similar approach that I used with my own children. We started basically with a Montessori approach. If you didn't use that approach, can you tell us what approach you did use? I loved the idea of a Montessori school. When we were living in North Carolina, they had a Montessori school and a Waldorf school, and I liked all of that. I loved the idea of Charlotte Mason, you know, learning through play and living books and nature, letting kids way teach themselves, but also learning through life lessons. Our schooling from that point on, even now, is eclectic. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. There's a little bit of unschooling. There is a little bit of Charlotte Mason. There is a little bit of Montessori, a little bit of Waldorf. There's a little bit of everything, and it's whatever works for Kaylin. Right. And I also love the Danish philosophy about education. Kindergarten for them, and now the Germans have adopted it, is outdoor play, you know, creative play. Sure. And they learn through play. It helps not just them to learn to create, but they learn socially. They learn logic and creating projects. You know, they learn critical thinking skills. And I think that's really important. I don't believe in stifling a child. And they don't also believe in formal academics until they're a little bit older. And that's worked well for Kaylin, especially being dyslexic. I don't like pushing her. We just have done a lot of play, tons of books, going to the library, field trips, doing stuff around the house, learning to bake, learning to clean, helping in the yard. She helps her daddy work on cars, helps her granddaddy build things. I mean, that to me was all part of schooling from a young age. Sure. I agree with you. And I think there's a lot to be said for children learning daily living skills. Yeah. And there is so much that can be taught in just helping them help themselves learning to get dressed, matching your socks together, helping with the laundry, washing dishes, all of those activities really can be considered part of school in an early childhood program because they're learning matching, sorting. These are early math skills and Mm -hmm. some pre-math skills, not to mention what you said with the books. There are pre-reading skills and pre-writing skills that we can expose our children to before we actually expect them to sit down at a table and start doing some of those more what we consider academic subjects. Exactly. I really, I love that. Exactly. Now, now, since I homeschooled my children as well, which you know, because we've had many conversations about this, (laughs) one (laughs) one of the questions that people have asked me over and over again is, What about socialization? And so I'm curious what your answer is to that. How do you feel you've been able to, quote unquote, socialize, Kaylin, even though you're using a homeschool approach? Well, Kaylin gets a lot of socialization through a lot of different sources. Church, church classes, church events, that sort of thing. Playing at the park. She has friends, play dates. Being autistic, Asperger level of autism, she has been in therapy for a good while, and she's an amazing therapist, Nick, who also helps her work on social skills. You know, going and doing classes, we do kinder music for a good while, and she's done some art classes, and there's always ways to find 
socializing and learning those social skills. You know, I realize that she's probably going to always have problems because she does have issues sometimes reading emotions and reading social cues. She does get better as she gets older. It was a lot worse when she was younger, and she did not transition well when she was younger. Still can be an issue now, Mm -hmm. but by going and just playing at the park or going to church and going to church events, going to community events, all of that exposes her to other people and other kids. Right. And also, Kaylin lives in a house where there are four other adults. Mm. So we've never really treated her like a child. We don't talk to her like she's a child. I mean, she's a kid. We want her to be a kid as long as she can be. But Kaylin's pretty smart, and she lives around adults. So we've lived with my parents since she was little, since I was my mom's caregiver till she passed away. So she's around adults a lot. Right. And I think that helps, too, in a way. Sure. She's learning a lot about adult life. Mm-hmm. We try and keep some things from her, but she sees how we interact as well as husband and wife and then as adult child to my dad. And now, of course, she's exposed to homeschool groups and She's involved in church and co-op classes here and there. And you can find ways to socialize your child. Right. It is your choice. Right. That was never a problem with me. We had the opposite problem. We had so many opportunities for the boys to do different things. My children volunteered at the library, and they read to the preschoolers and the toddlers once they were five or six years old. And like you said, we did a lot of community activities. My son from an early age, worked with our local theater group, and that was real exciting for them. And then we started our own robotics team. So we had a lot of different opportunities in the community. And I think that's one thing that when people hear homeschooling, they don't realize how many community activities can be available to homeschoolers. I have to tell you, we're members of one homeschool social group. They do all sorts of field trips and parties and this and that. We're members of two different nature groups. We're members of another homeschool group that is near us. So that's at five. I think there's probably seven or eight in this area. Wow. This last year, we've not done as much just because she and I have been so sick this past fall, pneumonia and the flu and this and that. But usually we do try and get out and do as much as we can Mm -hmm. because she loves being out. And she loves being around other kids. I mean, neighborhood kids. I mean, every Mm -hmm. opportunity to be around other kids or even other adults. People forget other adults do count. Yep, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and see, it's, it's weird, especially in America, that we tend to socialize our children only with other people their exact same age. Most of our life, we are not with people who are exactly our same age. Just the opposite, you know. I have people younger and older. Yeah. Friends that are senior citizens, and I have friends that are younger than I am. Right, right. And I think one of the advantages to homeschooling, at least for my children and for a lot of the homeschoolers I know, is that they learn from a very young age how to communicate with people of all ages. Yes. I think that's really important. So, can you tell me what the biggest challenge was you faced in homeschooling Kaylin in those preschool years? Getting her to focus. (laughs) Getting her to focus because Kaylin, her ADHD was so bad. Yeah. Her sensory issues were so bad. Yeah. That was the hardest thing. Sure. Because she would flip from this to that to this to that. I mean, it would be like something every five minutes. But that's changed as she's getting older. But that was our biggest challenge was trying to, you know, Kaylin, are you listening? (laughs) 
you know, you're reading a book and, 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 and she still does it. But I have a question. Or, right. or look, Mommy, you know, there's a squirrel. <laughs> That's the typical type of thing. But that was my biggest challenge mm-hmm. as she was getting older. And it's only been recently that it's gotten better, that it's gotten more manageable. And it's important so, for our listeners to hear that because I know we probably have some listeners tuning into this show who have some kids who have congenital heart defects and other issues. And I'm sure they're wondering, is it ever going to get better? So take it from Erin. It does get better. We need to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet because because when we come back next, we're going to talk to Erin about what it's like to homeschool a child with multiple medical conditions in elementary school. We'll be right back. When I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me. Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our show. We have a great year planned, and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics. Heart to Heart with Nicole and David, serving the ACHD community, Wednesdays at noon Eastern. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Homeschooling a Special Needs Heart Warrior, and our guest is Erin Askew. We just finished talking with Erin about what it was like to work with her preschool daughter, given the multiple medical conditions and especially her learning disabilities. But now we're going to talk about the elementary school years. So one of the things that I loved about homeschooling was the opportunity for me to learn and relearn things that I had been exposed to as a child. Tell me some of the things that you've enjoyed teaching and learning with Kaylin in her elementary school years, Erin. One of the loves that we both share, believe it or not, is astronomy. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed that with her. And another one is Shakespeare. I found out that my child loves Shakespeare. I got the Usborne children's version of some of the Shakespeare tales. I think we read that book in four nights. And Kaylin begged for more. And I was like, really? And she's like, yes, please. So I got some more kids' versions, and now she wants the full-on versions. Wow. This is a kid that's not quite thin. She loves Shakespeare. And I think that's fantastic. Wow. You know, it's just kind of a bit of everything. She likes a lot of more modern books mm-hmm. as far as you know, when we read and pick things fiction-wise. But she also enjoys some of the books that I've had around as kids. I have classics, mm-hmm. and we've started reading some of those. I have a collection. And she has enjoyed the Bobsy Twins mm-hmm. and Nancy Drew, things that I read as a kid, and I still have those books. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what I've really enjoyed. I've really just enjoyed almost everything with her. In all honesty, I mean, there's so much that I know that I've forgotten and that now that we're learning together, I'm learning too. And it's really fun. History. We're just now starting to kind of use some curriculums, but we still use a lot of living books. And so we enjoy that a lot. And she loves to watch documentaries. And she's really into dinosaurs. I knew nothing about dinosaurs. I'm learning everything there is to know about dinosaurs. (laughs) I know. I remember that phase. I went through that phase with my boys. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's scary how much I'm learning about dinosaurs. But the child wants to be a paleontologist. So we are really into geology right now and really into dinosaurs, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's fun because we're finding ways to learn. We joined the Gem and Mineral Society of Mississippi, and we're learning about going out and looking for rocks. Mississippi gravel is a great way to find fossils. In our church parking lot, we found a couple wow. um, because it's gravel. So it's really fun. Mm-hmm. I love sharing all of it with her. Sure. And even sometimes math when she gets bogged down, well, then I find a way to make it fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we go find a recipe that she wants to make or we go make something. That's the nice thing about any subject. And we did this a lot and we still do. Unit studies are great because mm-hmm. if she has something she wants to learn about, last summer it was cats. We learned about the mythology, the genetics. We learned about all the different breeds and where they came from and all about Egypt because all the mythology in Egypt about them. It's really interest-led in a lot of ways. And if that's what it takes to keep a child's attention, then that's what you do. Right. We don't really use workbooks. Kaylin doesn't really care for them. I don't think any kids care for them. I don't think any kids care for them, (laughs) Erin. I think think it's not the most... Yeah, well, that's true. Some Some kids kids do do benefit from the structure. But what you're talking about is active learning. And that's yeah. a lot more fun, and it sticks with the kids. You also threw a out a term more. that maybe not all of our listeners knew in segment one, and that was unschooling. And for those of you who don't know what unschooling is, I think most homeschoolers who choose to homeschool a preschool child, certainly, and even early elementary school children, do choose an unschooling approach. And what that basically means is we're not sitting down with books, worksheets, paper and pencil. A lot of times what we're doing is exactly what Erin is doing, discovery learning, learning through play, learning through doing these projects, and it's all child-led. And what we have found in the homeschooling community is that when the children lead the parents to learn about what they're interested in, they can go much further in depth than just doing a cursory view that you would find in workbooks or most school curriculum. Wouldn't you agree, Erin? Exactly, exactly. For example, Kaylin loves Minecraft, loves Mm -hmm. it. And I at first was kind of doubtful, but then I realized she's learning logic and critical thinking. She's learning to really be creative. She is having a blast, but at the same time, she has a huge incentive to learn to read Mm -hmm. and to spell. Mm -hmm. And she helps her social skills too. And there are tons of classes out there online that used Minecraft to help kids learn, be it math, writing, literature, spelling, history, science, they're available. And Kaylin loves them. Yeah, you know, after you told me about this, I had to go look it up. So I went to Amazon.com and I looked up Minecraft and I couldn't believe all the books that came up. And I started talking to my son, Alex, about it. And he said, oh, yeah, Mom, there's a whole community online that deals with Minecraft. Yeah, it's not just Books. Mm-hmm. It's not just the books, though. There are companies that offer online classes. Amazing. That range anywhere from $7 a class for something like one of the Magic Treehouse books, uh-huh. where they offer all sorts of information, and they get to build their projects in Minecraft, and they interact in the class with the teacher and the other kids using a headset 
again, social skills, right. and again, learning. Right. And, and these are online classes, and Kaylin loves them, and she excels at them because she wants to. Right. And the nice thing is, even though she's in that class, she's not being exposed to all the germs that she would be in if she was in a regular classroom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And she's not being exposed to things I don't want her to know about at her age. I want her to be a kid for as long as possible. And I hear my friends complain, well, my kids knows about drugs and Mm. my kids asking about sex and my kids asking about this. And my child is eight and nine years old and they shouldn't know about this. I am to a point able to control right. that. Not only that, but the bullying. This is something that I hear from so many of oh. my friends who are adults now, that when they were children, because they were a little different, they were a little bit smaller, they couldn't keep up with the other kids or whatever, they were bullied a lot as children. And when you're in that virtual classroom, I think it reduces the opportunities for bullying. Would you agree with that, Erin? Yeah. I agree. And Kaylin deals with bullying. We deal with it on the playground. We've dealt with it in some other places that you really would hope you wouldn't find it because she is autistic. It might be Uh, mild and she's high functioning, but we still deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I find that I don't see it as much online in these classes as I do somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I guess I feel like she's playing on a level field when she takes these classes. Because everybody's Mm -hmm. learning the same thing, and they're building all the same stuff, and the teachers are great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you what advice you have for parents who want to homeschool their children who maybe have special needs and may be uncertain about it. I think, honestly, it's not for every child. It's not for every family. I feel like for Kaylin, it's perfect. For kids with immune system issues who are hospitalized a lot, who may have learning disabilities and a parent says, well, I can't do this, you can't. You can't. Who better to teach your child than you? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was worried about trying to teach her to read and she's dyslexic. I couldn't afford the therapy. I can't. It's too expensive. But I got out there. I found a good program. I found what works for Kaylin, Mm -hmm. and she's learning by leaps and bounds. So if you want to do it, don't be scared. It's it's definitely worth doing. It's definitely worth your time. Awesome. Well, I love that. And there are so many resources online. There are Facebook groups that deal with homeschooling. In fact, we even have a Facebook group for homeschooling a heart kid. So there are lots of materials out there and resources for you. Don't be afraid. Nobody will love your child the way you do and want your child to succeed the way you, a loving heart mom or heart dad, will do. So thanks, Erin, for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. And that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. And until then, please find our program on YouTube. You can find it most easily by just looking up my channel, which is my name, Anna Jaworski. My deaf children used to say, oh, it's three little words, jaw or ski. So Anna, J-A-W-O-R-S-K-I. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD 
the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.